Christmas really can be the most wonderful time of the year. It's a cliche, I know, but Christmas does have a lot going for it. For most people, work is done, school is out, and most of all, families have an opportunity to spend some quality time together. For most of us, it doesn't go quite as smoothly as an M&S advert, and for some, admittedly, it's a painful season when loss of loved ones, memories from the past, or maybe a feeling of being alone when everybody else seems to be together really crowd in. But for all its disappointing gifts and frazzled turkeys, I always look forward to this time of the year. One of my favourite parts is getting together with my brothers and my sister and all their kids. Like many families nowadays, we're spread over quite a wide geographical area. Wales, Leicester, London, Hertfordshire and Kent. And to get together all in one place at one time generally only happens most years at Christmas. Tomorrow I'm off down to Kent and I'm very excited. But this year, after a couple of days back together, all squashed into one house, sleeping on the floor, people in broom cupboards, airbeds everywhere, when we say goodbye, the hugs and the handshakes, there'll be a little extra, a little extra poignancy, I guess. A couple of days into January, a couple of days into January, my nephew, James, will be joining the army. And it's impossible not to wonder what the future holds for him. Back in July, I was there with him the day that the letter arrived that he was so anxiously waiting for to say he'd been selected. And later that day, leaning on the bar at his sister's wedding, I listened to him talking excitedly about the training that lay ahead and all that he hoped that life in the armed forces would be for him. And as I listened, I was struck by two things. Firstly, and this probably says more about me than about him, I was struck by just how young 19 is. And secondly, I was struck by what an inspirational, energising and liberating thing it is to have a dream and to be on a path towards pursuing it. As we step slowly, weighed down by handfuls of quality streets, plates of cold turkey, and probably one or two mince pies too many, from the now retreating 2019 into the as yet unwritten pages of 2020. It's one of the rare times in the year that I believe we have a small opportunity to look back and reflect on what has been and look forward to what is to come. The season of festivities and overindulgence gives way to many to a season of self-imposed austerity. Stats indicate nearly 60% of us, six out of 10, will make some kind of New Year's resolution. I'm not knocking that. I, like most people, could probably do with eating a little bit less and exercising a little bit more. New Year's resolutions have their place. And for many of us as Christians, it's a time to make a conscious decision to try and spend more time reading the Bible, more time in prayer, maybe both. But this morning, I want to spend a bit of time exploring together something a bit bigger, a bit more ambitious for 2020. 
In the passage we read earlier, from Matthew 28, we heard the last recorded words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. On a mountain in Galilee, Jesus met and talked with his disciples for one last time. What Jesus said was simple, clear and direct. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus said this to them, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Simple. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptise them and teach them my commands. That's all. Crack on, lads. Get on with it. It's a fair undertaking. And to be fair, I believe... I believe it's possible to surmise that Jesus was pretty careful when he chose those last parting words. Like any good manager at half-time in the dressing room talking to the team, he knew to keep it basic. No fancy theology, no difficult-to-comprehend concepts, no multi-layered points, just a straightforward command to spread the good news and back it up by teaching those who follow him more of what he had said and more of what he had done. Those last words Jesus gave to his disciples, I believe those, their importance was not just for the there and then of 2,000 years ago, but they're just as irrelevant and just as important to us in the here and now of 2020. The instruction Jesus gave his disciples in Matthew 28 is the same simple instruction I believe he's giving to us today. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to follow Jesus. It's a daunting undertaking. It is a big job by anyone's standards. And a task that I, like most people, feel pretty ill-equipped to take on. But Jesus never meant us to do it on our own. When we hear God's call and make a resolution to follow, I believe the Holy Spirit will be there supporting us. We are not meant to do it on our own. When we make a resolution to try and spread the good news, then I believe God will give us the resources to do it. When we look at the Bible, and what better place to look, when we look at the Bible, there are many examples that make that clear. Take the account in Acts chapter 8 of Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian official. God spoke to Philip. He said, go, go and take a walk. Walk from Jerusalem to Gaza along the desert road. And as he was strolling along through the desert, a chariot came past. I don't really know if that's kind of a chariot noise, but let's go with it. The chariot came past. A fair old lick, I guess. And God spoke to Philip again. He said, go on, son. Lace up your Nikes. Get running. Go and catch up that chariot. And when you get there, tell the bloke inside it all about me. And the Bible doesn't say specifically, and I guess this is conjecture, but I'm fairly sure that Philip was not an Olympic athlete. That Philip did not embody the raw pace of Usain Bolt and combine that with the enduring power 
of Mo Farah. Philip was a very ordinary guy. God called, he responded, and when he responded, God gave him the resources to perform what probably seemed like a quite impossible task. He ran, he did what God told him to do, God gave him the resources. When we look on, you look in Acts chapter 2 and you see Peter, you see the transformation of a man locked in in a room, in hiding, in fear. God called him, he responded, and God gave him the resources to stand up between in front of a, a multitude, thousands of strangers and communicate with them in their own language. God called, Paul responded, Peter responded, and when he responded, gave him, God gave him the resources. It's there in Acts chapter 7, when Steve, in the account of Stephen, as he stood there in front of people with rocks in hands intent on murdering him, God gave him the words to communicate. It's there through all the twists and turns of Paul's missionary journeys. And if you were to dial back to the Old Testament and you were to look at people in the likes of Moses or Gideon or David, they all make a resolution to follow God. And when they do, God provides them the resources to complete the various tasks that have been set out before them. God gives the resources to those who make a resolution to try and uphold the Great Commission that is given in Matthew 28. Taking the good news to all nations is, as I've alluded to, a pretty sizable undertaking. We need to make a resolution to start, to be open to the resources God gives us, and to show resolve in order to push on towards completion. It will come as no surprise, I'm sure, that a survey of UK adults showed that over 65% of people who made New Year's resolutions had given up before the first month was over. Attempting to fulfil the Great Commission will take more than just a resolution. It will take more than just taking hold of the resources that I believe God is very willing to make available to us. Fulfilling the Great Commission will take resolve. Resolve to persevere. One of the recurring images of the New Testament is that of of Christians, of us, running a race. Not a 100-metre sprint, but a distance race that takes real perseverance. In Hebrews 12, it says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a bit, it says, let us throw off everything that holds us back and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for future joys endured the cross. Making a resolution to take the good news to those who haven't encountered it yet is the starting point. Taking hold of the resources God willingly makes available will make it possible for us to achieve it. But having firm resolve to continue this, to keep going when the going gets tough, to push on when enthusiasm inevitably wanes, to not give up when obstacles arise, to persevere when we are being discouraged, to not throw in the towel but to keep on going, that will take real resolve. 
The call of the Great Commission, I believe, is absolutely fundamental and universal to, all what, to what we are as Christians. But I believe the call that God is making on your life and on my life is as individual as we are. The area or arena that God wants you to get involved in will be unique. But of this, I am certain. God is not calling you or I to be Sunday morning Christians. God is calling us to dream big. God is calling us to commit ourselves fully to doing what he has asked his, what he asked his disciples to do in the moments before he ascended into heaven. That may be getting involved with an existing ministry here at this church. It may be establishing a new one. It may be getting involved with a larger initiative locally or nationally. It may take you to some far-flung place. But whatever your age or your personal circumstances are, I believe God has a calling on your life. One of the things that inspired me most this year in this church was when Margaret and God, John last month said goodbye before they set off for Uganda. They were a lovely retired couple who heard the call of God and dreamt big. A couple who together have taken this command from Matthew 28 to heart. A retired GP taking her skills from a lifetime of professional practice back to the land of her birth to share an impact with the community in the name of Jesus. A retired man who learnt new skills, new skills in plumbing, so he could take the good news to the people of Uganda. It was refreshing, uplifting and challenging for me to see two people at a stage of their lives when society's expectation is that they take things easy, enjoy the fruits of their labour, soak up the sun on a cruise or two, indulge their hobbies now the kids have gone and they've finally got time on their hands. But instead, they are resolving to strike off on a new adventure for Jesus. What a difference we can make here in this community and perhaps elsewhere as well if we really take that command from Matthew 28 as our resolution for 2020. If we match a resolution to spread the good news with an openness to the resources that God is just waiting to make available and back that up with the resolve to keep on persevering, then I believe mountains can move. This could be just another year. More of the same. Another year when, to be honest, we let the opportunities God gives us just slip by. Or, or we could make our New Year's resolution for 2020 to take up the words of Jesus in Matthew 28 and put them at the heart of everything we do. Jesus' last words to his disciples were go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them and teaching them to obey his commands. 
Those words, I believe, stand for us today. As we go into 2020, it's up to us what we do with them. <laughs>